Hello and welcome to the Brotherhood Without Manners podcast with me, your host, on this spiritual journey for another week, Ryan McBride. Uh, another month, actually, at this point. We've been uh, fairly slack on the uptake here. <laughs> I was supposed to actually have this up last week, but the weather was too good, and to be honest, as much as I enjoy making wonderful content for all you one or two listeners out there, I like the sun a bit better, and it's all too rare here in Ireland where... I'm recording from now this uh this time around on the brotherhood that matters podcast we have a few developments we have a lot of developments actually when it comes to the land of ice and fire uh universe um hbo have recently signed on a new show or announced that what the show will be about we already knew they signed on this new show like a year ago um also there's some action going on in in Belfast filming there is some action going on and George Martin's blog which he said he was given up which he hasn't given up and his books still aren't here and there's another bit of news on that too but we'll get to that later anyway um yeah if you want to tell us anything about this podcast while we're while I'm speaking if you want to send me some messages if you hear something that's incorrect simply not right uh you can find us on facebook brotherhood that matters uh find us on twitter at brotherhood pod get us on tumblr as well and instagram and all the rest of it we're we're wherever there's a social media you will find us hanging on there somewhere <laughs> um yeah and in case you're wondering why this sounds so clear and concise or, or terribly recorded i'm now recording off my brand new wonderful mic arm complete with springs that sound like shitty guitars and uh yeah i'm now far away from my sound desk so i can't actually adjust the volume so um you're gonna have to settle with this level because i'm not changing it for anything all right um all right during the week i put out a survey uh of what you want is what random topic basically you wanted me to talk about this week and uh, it was between either the real life Krenogmen or how ancient Japanese had a solution that we can use now for gun control. And it was a tie. There was one vote on Facebook for Samurai, three on Instagram for Krenogmen, and two on Twitter for Samurai. So um, just to be fair, I'm going to try and do both. And if you're not happy, if it's not as comprehensive as you want it to be, then I can do it again. Or you can just settle and do your own fucking podcast. <laughs> what are you joking? Thank you for listening. <laughs> um, anyway, I'm going to start off with Cranogs anyway. And in Game of Thrones, the Cranog men are like... The Cranog men are these people that live in... Like... The neck. Like they live in this little... They live in this boggy area in the neck, and um, like you know them, they're like George and Reed, the Reeds, basically all of these people who are somewhat magical, um, somewhat intertwined with the children of the forest, and yeah, they can be found in the swamps there, and and basically their their houses can move, their lands move, they're kind of hard to kind of elusive. Not hard to find, I guess. If you really tried, I guess you could find them if you were, you know, King Westeros or something like that. But, um, 
Yeah, basically what, what it says on, on the Wikipedia is that the Cranach men are reclusive people who dwell in the swamps of the Neck. They are ruled by House Reed from Greywater Watch. Their current lord is Howland Reed. Um... And then, anyway, it says culture. They're chronic, the chronic men are so-called for their habit of living in small villages formed of reeds and thatched that sit atop floating islands in the mire. They are a poor people that seldom leave their land subsisting on fishing and frogging. Um, some claim that the chronic men's smaller size is because they're intermarriage with the children of the forest, while others attribute the size to poor nutrition. Now, this has direct comparisons in real life with... Um, well, it didn't. He, George Martin didn't really go away too far from the source on this. From people who built Cranogs and Cranogs, uh, if you don't know, were an ancient fortified dwelling constructed in a lake or a marsh in either Scotland or Ireland. And yeah, basically, it's it's more or less a, a more more permanent version of what George Martin's going for in the book. There, I mean, basically, it's it's, it's these artificial mud islands that the ancient Stone Age Irish and even before that Scottish uh, made in the middle of lakes or rivers if they if they didn't move too fast so um, the word comes from Old Irish and it means well not even Old Irish it's it's just Irish as it is and it, Cran means tree and Og means young so young tree and according to Patrick Deneen one of the additional meanings which is actually quite interesting in a Game of Thrones context is crow's nest which, you know, when you consider all of the magical extras that come with the Cranog men in, in, in the Song of Ice and Fire, it's, it's, it's a nice little parallel that he tied in there. Another uh, meaning of Cranog is pulpit, which is like a platform in a church where priests would give their sermon, like a, like a podium or something. And that's kind of, it's another like, interesting side definition for Game of Thrones because of the religious... Um, old gods I don't know, connection there now uh, the Cranogs in real life, they were built in lake for defence and they were able to pull on occasion sometimes the road back in and other times they just have a little line of stones into the middle uh, to get like to get their their cows and stuff in, that's that's why primarily they had these They because in Ireland like basically all trade was done with cattle and even the roads in Irish, they're called bohers, and boh means cow, so literally, you know, it's everything is based around the cow. Um, but anyway, uh, the earliest known Cranog is Aelan Donal in the Outer Hebrides in Scotland. Uh, that was radiocarbon carbon dated to 3650 to 2500 BC. Now that is really old. That is that's older than the pyramids, I do believe, in Egypt. You know, I'm ready. I'm hoping to correct you on that. Uh, correct me at Brotherhood Pod if I'm wrong. And uh, the earliest known Cranogs in Ireland were much later, actually. In, in the earliest one in Ireland is in Ballanderry, in County Derry, Londonderry, whatever your preference is, uh, at 1200 to 600 BC. And weird enough, that is probably near enough to where Game of Thrones is being filmed at the moment. And I wonder, is are they going to use that as some of the set? I don't know. We need to ask Irish Thrones about that. Um, but anyway, uh, some history for you. Cranog construction and occupation was at its peak in Scotland from about 800 BC to AD 200. So maybe around the time of the Romans, I guess. Uh, 
when just when they were kind of stretching their limbs. Um, not surprisingly, Cranogs have useful defensive properties, although there seems to be more significance to the prehistoric use than simple defense, because very few weapons or evidence of destruction appear in excavations of these prehistoric Cranogs. Um, in Ireland, the Cranogs were at their zenith a bit later, when they were the homes and retreats of kings, lords, prosperous farmers, and occasionally socially marginalized groups such as monastic hermits or metalsmiths who could work in isolation so you can imagine if you want to get away from the world if you if you're being raided by vikings um you want to be somewhere where you can leave all your shit you can work away in peace and without being what a fear of being you know stolen away raped or you know your animals being killed and all your stuff being robbed or sold into slavery um so it makes sense in that regard. Um, larger cranogs could be occupied by extended families or communal groups, and access was either by longboats or coracles. While evidence for timber or stone causeways exists on larger on a large number of cranogs as well, they were in use from the late Bronze Age, Bronze Age to the pre-industrial era, a span of some three thousand years. Now that is a long time, like just pre-industrial era. They sprung up and usually in places where there are other. Um, other evidences of uh, an ancient community around so there was usually a community around and if if you know someone came to threaten the village or something like that you'd be able to go hide in uh, cranog and stuff like that as well uh, but that's again just a side purpose for the cranogs um depending on the local resources or requirements the planned lake dwelling could range from four or five meters in diameter to over 35 and that's a lot of work because considering you have to like the interior area was filled with you know alternate layers of rock peat and broken brushwood uh the order of stratification changed from site to site it's likely that heavy stones and human feet were used to tamp down the layers laboriously hopefully removing dangerous voids or cavities which could collapse the interior of the structure so you want a good foundation there and you also want to drive out all of the pooled water and uh, just stop it from washing away so you know this takes months months of toiling and th- eventually the artificial mound would rise from the middle of the lake uh, the height was determined usually by the builders um, so it could depend when the platform was you know, when I eventually said, you know, this this platform's high enough, uh, the top would be leveled off and finished with uh, like a mixture of compacted soil, sand, and pebbles to provide a solid surface and you know some degree of drainage because you gotta have some drainage whenever you got a lake around you. Yeah, the the house they built on the Cranogs were they're kind of similar to beehive huts that they would find in monasteries in Ireland dated from around the same time. Like I mean, like and this is obviously falling on deaf ears for a lot of you, but. Uh, if, if any of you have seen Star Wars The Force Awakens, that's where Luke Skywalker was hiding. Uh, and it was the place, like it was this, this little beehive huts like that. And the place it was located was off the coast of Kerry in Ireland, which, you know, these people were also off a, on a little island off the coast of Ireland as well. So they kind of had a similar frame of mind, I think. Um... Yeah, the last hurrah of the Cranogs uh, took place from the 15th to the 17th centuries, so the 1600s. That's like age of exploration times. This is like Renaissance times. People are still living in Cranogs. Um, but yeah, eventually at this time they were used as like offshoots provided, providing Native Irish with motor residences, fortresses, treasuries, uh, depots for weapons, prisons and hospitals. And at the time as well, this is like 
there was a thing called the Flight of the Earls where two Gaelic Irish chiefs left to try and get uh, extra forces from abroad, but failed and died abroad. <laughs> and uh, Ulster Plantation happened and the British started um, invading. But anyway, thanks to Anshina Fionn for that. Uh, they're a magazine uh, that cover a lot of Irish stuff and that's really interesting. Um, I might leave the samurai stuff for next week. I'm not really sure if I have enough time to cover it properly because it's an important issue. Um, you know what? Fine, I will do it. I mean, I don't like to go into news and non-Game of Thrones stuff here, but since the last episode of Game of Thrones, uh, or sorry, of uh, Brotherhood of It Manners, in the end of April, Donald Trump made some really weird finger-pointing gestures towards London and England and their hospitals there, saying that they get a little stabby a little too often. And it's like, I don't remember the last stabbing spree in London because knife attackers can't open fire into a crowd and you don't need a gun or even a knife to kill them. You can just, there are ways of stopping a, a knife attacker without resorting to that sort of, um, that resorting to, you know, shooting them or extremes that make you kind of on the same power as them. And it's not really a race to the bottom in that sort of way. Plus the Met have guns as far as I know or some of them definitely do detectors probably do and uh, they all maybe probably have tasers I don't know I'm open to correction here but if any of you live in London I'm uh, I'm ready to be I'm open to be corrected <laughs> um, but anyway I'm yammering on about this uh, I was at cycling during the weekend um, and just, you know, when I'm at cycling I, I tend to think a bit too much um, and this time I thought you know one of this, all of this, you know, news is going through my head, and I thought samurais had access to so many deadly weapons. Like, like the samurai swords were are still considered to be one of the most dangerous weapons, definitely like uh, melee weapons of all. Um, and I guess samurais had a very holistic approach to using weapons. And uh, to fighting, to learning how to fight. You weren't just learning how to fight. You don't just, you didn't just hop down to your local samurai sword store and pick up uh, your latest slicey dicey one thousand. I mean, there was a lot more to it, and even now there is a lot more to it. I mean, I I studied jujitsu and uh, for about four years, and it 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 takes a lot of its roots from like I did traditional Japanese jiu-jitsu and it take a lot, takes a lot of its roots. It takes pride that it has a lot of its roots in this samurai culture. I mean, a lot of them would have been farmers, a lot of them would have been laborers and, and, uh, eventually it's like being a knight in, in British culture or, um, not British culture, um, feudal culture. But anyway, samurai is, yeah, it's a more holistic approach because you weren't just, a knight, you or you weren't just a fighter. You weren't just someone who can handle themselves in the field of battle. You were. You had to be leveled. You had to be balanced. You had to be disciplined. You had to. No one forces needed to be applied. You you knew that you weren't to attack first. You only attack in retaliation. And this is driven into you. And jujitsu, this is driven into you. It's called the gentle art. I mean, it was, it's. Like literally, jujitsu translated means the gentle art, and a lot of the problems with 
Gunners in America is that it's too far too easy to get them and people who aren't ready to use them have them. And I don't know, it's like you wouldn't let someone get into a car if they don't know how to drive it, you know? Maybe you wouldn't let someone be a pharmacist if you knew they were addicted to heroin, you know? Or addicted to opiates, addicted to morphine or something like that. Because, you know, you can't rely on them. Um, it's, I know it's a big grey area there, all right, but... Um, just a preemptive thing. Regulations. Regulations work in literally every other industry, every other thing that you purchase. They're there for a reason. For safety. Why does not he to stop the guns? Are you gonna... Are you planning on, you know, starting a little militia every now and again? No? I, I can't remember the last armed uprising in America. When was it? Texas, probably. I don't know. Anyway. On to Game of Thrones. The subject, the topic of this podcast. Believe it or not. <laughs> um, yeah, George R. R. Martin released the cover of his book. Uh, it's called Fire and Blood and it's bitchin'. I'll share it up on our social platforms after this podcast goes up. And uh, on May the 1st, there was indeed a May Day. George Martin says he's resisting splitting Winds of Winter 2, the next A Song of Ice and Fire installment, into two separate books. George Martin, you're an absolute troll. Why would you do this to us? <laughs> Although it would maybe mean that we would get the first half of the book a little earlier. And also, you can't change, you can't fuck about with the earlier parts of the book, like change chapters, move them about. Like he's kind of confirming that he has the first half done, but also he's confirming he hasn't a fucking clue what he's doing in the second half. So that's a bit worrying. But also, maybe you can pick out some optimism from that. I don't know. Um, massive news that was coming out during the week, last week maybe. HBO has officially greenlit a pilot episode for a prequel series from showrunner Jane Goldman. And she was behind X-Men First Class, Kingsman, The Secret Service as well. Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this, actually. Uh, it takes place thousands of years before the events of Game of Thrones. Uh, this is the official you know, description from HBO. The series chronicles the world's descent from the golden age of heroes into its darkest hour. And only one thing is for sure. From the horrifying secrets of Westeros history to the true origin of the White Walkers, the mysteries of the East, to the Starks of legend. It's not the story we think we know. Now, I, I, I don't know what that means. I don't know why they're being so ominous. I just presume, you know, all the stuff. We, we won't get all the answers at the end of Game of Thrones. Which, that's a little frustrating, but, you know, as long as they tie up the story nicely, that's fine. I don't need all the answers right now. Um, but anyway... Um, George Martin signed off on it. He's the executive producer now, uh, and he he gave a suggestion for what he thinks the name of the series should be. He said, "My vote would would be the Long Night," which which says it all. But I'd be surprised if that's where we end up. He wrote on his blog. Uh, more likely, HBO will want to work the phrase "Game of Thrones" in there somewhere. And to be honest, George Martin's probably right. He he, he what's the industry inside? I don't know at this point with uh, with HBO. Um. But if it's HBO, Game of Thrones presents the long day, probably. I don't know. Who knows? Uh, but anyway, yeah. If if it's Jane Goldman, like getting someone from a, a superhero franchise and someone from Kingsman, which is kind of a, a lighthearted, um, lighthearted action movie, it 
it's interesting that they picked her to get it, but um, I guess this now's her chance to prove herself. And again, it's only a pilot, a pilot episode. It's not a series that's confirmed. It's just a pilot for the series. So we'll see how that goes. If it's going to be successful, or if it's going to be another utter failure, like Game of Thrones' original pilot episode, which I still haven't seen, which probably not many people have. It's probably just a handful. But anyways. Uh, what do you think the name of the new series should be about the Long Night and the prequel, uh, or you know the preceding Long Night that will reveal the history of the old Starks and stuff like that? And let us know. Tweet us at Brotherhood Pod and uh, all the rest of it. You know. Um, anyway, now it's time for your real news as fake news. Boring but efficient leader of the Fun Gang, Jon Snow, recently attended a summit with disinterested Cersei ready to trump his every move. She left without any assurances. However, he said, There is only one war that matters. The Great War. And it is here. Shortly before everything untangled this badly... Cersei's close aide, Maester Pycelle, said focusing on the northern border issue was ridiculous and compared it to the tail wagging the dog. It was so and in such a time of chaos, there's nothing like a royal wedding to calm the nerves. It's the wife's second time out and hoping for a markled difference this time. And the fresh prince is waiting oh so keenly to give away his flower. Best avoid the queen, though. She, uh, she ain't too happy. Uh, okay. And that's your news. Hope you enjoyed it. It's a bit weird this week. I went American this time, but that's where we've noticed already. Um, yeah, cast news. Uh, this isn't really cast news, really, because they're not really in the cast. Where are they? Mark Addy and Jason Momoa. Mark Addy being, you know, King Robert Baratheon and Jason Momoa being Cal Drogo. They were spotted in a rap party for season eight with the rest of the cast. Hmm. Are they going to do flashbacks? Oh, is that what they're going to do? I don't know. But anyway, Momoa said he was only there for the kisses, the hugs, and the black stuff, meaning Guinness. Maybe it means something else, I don't know. But anyway, it's presume that they're there on a social call, but if they were there, it'd be interesting to see what of King Robert they would show. I don't really, I don't think they would show much of, much of Cal Drogo's past and Bran flashback, but I think they would show a lot of um, King Robert if they had the chance, if, if the actor was up for it. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. Um, and yeah, Irish Thrones, I think Irish Thrones caught... Um, one of the sets being taken down uh, just in the last few days. Um, does that mean they're finished filming? A lot of it. Does that mean the rest of the year's year and a half is going to be post-production for a lot of the scenes in that in that part? It looked like, to me, it looked like uh, King's Landing. Um, what do you think? Is that worrying? <laughs> what do you 
do you want more action? How many months of filming does it take to make seven movies? Uh, anyway, we'll see how it goes. You can keep up to date with us on Instagram, Brotherhood About Manners, where I post memes daily. Not so daily as I used to, but still occasionally. Uh, if you want to ask us a question and a sound file, actually, you can send it to us at brothersmanners at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Brotherhood Pod. And we're on Facebook too if you want to bop us on a question for your thoughts on the episode. Um, yeah, and if you are listening to this on, on your iPhone, or if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, give us a nice juicy five-star review. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it for this week. Good night.